With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Always much appreciated when you tune in. Today, folks, it's just you and I going to wrap up day three of the NFL draft, the final four rounds. The commanders picked four players, tackle slash guard Braden Daniels uh, from Utah, defensive end KJ Henry from Clemson, running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. from Kentucky, and then defensive end Andre Jones Jr. from Louisiana. And Henry and Jones are more, they're pass rushers. That's what they are. They're not they're not huge defensive ends, but they are pass rushes. I'm going to get to all these guys these these last four picks in a minute because I want to give you a little bit of a rundown on what they add, kind of how I see them after hearing what the coach, what Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, and even Eric Stokes, uh, senior director of senior VP of uh, player personnel, had to say about these guys and about this class. And we've talked a lot about the the first three picks in the draft i talked you know obviously on friday and then on thursday we talked with bram weinstein the voice commanders about corner emmanuel forbes go back and listen to those guys if you want to get a, another wrap or another ins more insight onto some of these draft picks i'm going to kind of wrap up and look ahead for the next podcast so that'll be out monday and just a short one just to kind of look ahead of like what's left that they have to do after coming off after the draft. And they're in the process right now of signing undrafted free agents. One guy I know that they they are going to sign is offensive lineman Mason Brooks, a guard from Ole Miss. He's a guy that I had heard early in the process that they liked and that they would consider drafting him as a guard. I think they they did like him, of course, or they signed him right away. But And they didn't draft him, but they did sign him. So he's a guy, someone to keep your eye on as we go through this process. But we'll have all that when those when those moves are official. Again, before I get to the um, the four players from today, one thing I did want to talk about is when you well, first of all you look at this draft, they drafted was it two defensive backs, two offensive linemen, two defensive ends slash pass rushers, and then a running back. And the first the first the DB O line and edge rushers are all things that they needed. And I'll get into well, I'll I guess start with obviously with the defensive backs. We know why they went there. And we've talked a lot about that over the last couple of days. So if you want to go back and listen to my podcast on Thursday about Manuel Forbes and then Friday about the day two and the day, the round two and three picks, you can go do that. But they needed to bolster that defensive backfield. And Jartavius Quan Martin will serve as a, again, a Buffalo nickel safety can be, can play slot corner. So he can do a little bit of everything for them. That's why they took him. And I think it was something they absolutely wanted. And it, and it what it does, it it adds to what they can do in their Buffalo nickel package. 
takes some of the burden off of Cam Curl. There has been a fear of him wearing down, playing too many snaps at that Buffalo nickel. So the ability to kind of to, to add some versatility to it really helps them and it helps him. And again, I told you before, one of the things I talked about on the podcast the other day was the ability to disguise coverages. And you watch Martin do that in college, did it very well. And I think that's something they can do here. Smart, I think he seems to be a smart player. Anyway, two O-linemen, needed to get O-linemen. I don't think that this problem is solved. And we can talk, I'm going to talk more about that um, in the next podcast, but I want to go over some of these guys with Dan, Daniels today. Certainly they still need, there's still some questions on that front. The edge rushers, they needed it. Got to, you have to keep in mind, it's not just Montez Sweat and Chase Young, whose contracts are up after this year. So, so too are James Smith-Williams and Casey Duhill. So they need to get guys under, con, you know, get some guys here to groom for the future. Of course, some of those guys are going to stick around, but you still want to have some guys under contract. And I think you want to get some young guys here that if if a Smith Williams or Smith, if, if you can't keep all those guys, now you have some guys behind them to try and develop. So that, you know, all the draft is really funny because sometimes what doesn't make sense now might make sense later. And what may, you know, I've always said the easiest way, if you want to win the draft, if you want your team to have a good score, if I'm if I'm a GM, it's really easy. Just take a look at what every national analyst says that you guys need and then pick the big names and whatever round that come your way that fits that position. Then they're going to give you an A and all the fans are going to rejoice because, hey, I knew this guy and hey, it matches so-and-so's board. That's great. But that's not how you build for success because not everybody sets up their board the same way from team to team, from analyst to analyst, even within teams, you're going to have differences of opinion as about certain guys. Some guys might give this guy a third round grade. This guy might give him a second. This guy might give him a late one. And then you kind of add them all up and then you come up with your grade. So, you know, you don't, you have to keep all that in mind, but to me, it's always been easy to win the draft. You just pick the guys that, Oh, you got, you, you say we need this. Okay. I'll take this here. You say we need this. I'll take this here. That's not how you build a good roster. So, so I would say, I say that to say, take a deep breath when it comes to all this stuff. Building is a step-by-step -step process. And I know why, I know you guys, and I know some of you don't have a lot of confidence in a lot of things. Understandable, it's been a long time, folks. I get why some of you may not just buy right away that, oh, these were the best moves, because we don't know. We're not going to know until they get on the field and we start to see them. There's some guys I really like, some guys I'm intrigued by, and some guys I say, oh, not sure about this one. So, but they like him. So what difference does it make if I, if I'm not sure because they watched him a lot and I haven't. So anyway, take a deep breath and we'll see where this goes. I know there's a long way to go. And I know some of you guys are going to freak out because that's what fans do. That's what everybody does. But I would just say it's still, it's as I'm taping this, it's April 29th. Let's see where it goes. But I also understand why, because we know what this franchise has been and hasn't done in a long time. So one, I did want to say one before I get to these four, Emmanuel Forbes. One of the things I found interesting that Eric Stokes talked about with us after the draft was his weight came up because he is very thin. And when you're with him, you see that he's very thin and he's going to have to put on, he's going to have to put on a few pounds. He doesn't have to put on 25 pounds or anything like that. He can put on 10 to 15. It's funny because we saw Fred Smoot at his, at Forbes's press conference the other day and Smoot said that when he came into play he was like 172 I think it was that was his way by the end he was over 190 now part of that was 
in in the when they when he came back like he had to gain some weight because the, the it was different style that you're being asked to play in terms of run support and all that so he had to get a little bit bigger but it also helped him to prevent from wearing down i don't know that you don't, you don't need forbes he certainly if he ever gets up to 190 it's going to take years to get there and i don't think i don't know that he needs to but i think they would like him to and but one thing that stokes said that he did because there were some questions about that I mean, it's hard not to have a question about it. He went back even further in his um, review. Usually goes back two years to for tape to see. He went back three years for, with um, with Forbes just to see what did it look like over these three years. Was it an issue? And what he clearly saw was, no, it's it was not. The guy didn't miss games. He was durable. That's the number one key. He was on the field all the time. That's what you need to see. And I think I told you the other day, when I watch him, he seems to use, you know, you get worried about pulling guards or this thing or that thing, guys coming around the edge and in the run game. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how he handles it. But one of the things you see on film with him is he's got very, very quick reactions and he reads plays well. And I've in there, I've seen, I saw him take on, I saw him beat beating guards, pulling on screens uh, because he was smart or faster to the ball. And so they couldn't get there. He beat him to the spot and he make and he helps make a play because of it. And if all he does is just maintain his ground and turn a guy in, then I think the coaches will be okay as long as he's getting some pick sixes. But anyways, I found it interesting that Stokes said he kind of went above and beyond kind of going back into Forbes's uh, play history to see, was this an issue? And again, what he saw was no, it was not. And what he also saw is what he liked is how Forbes progressed throughout his time at Mississippi state and just how he went from you know a talented player to a highly productive player by the end. The other thing, one of the things that Ron Rivera talked about with Forbes as well was how he liked how there was a play where there was an issue with him, and and he knew how to correct it. And so, like I think those kind of things are are things that um, that you always like to hear. So anyway, anyway, that's that's it on Forbes. And let's get on to the four four picks from today. I'm going to go over real briefly with some of these guys. So just bear with me. Braden Daniels, tackle slash guard from Utah. It sound, when we talked to Rivera afterwards, it did sound like they would like to try start with him as a tackle. He did play, he played tackle and guard, a lot of left tackle at Utah. I'll be honest, folks. I think this is going to be a work in progress. I think he's very athletic. I think he is athletic. But when you see, when you watch the play, the games, there's a lot of inconsistencies. I can see some of the flashes in his game, which is going to attract a, a coaching staff to say, can you get this out of him consistently with some coaching? And, you know, what's your confidence level in the coaching to coax that, to get that out of him? Because you see it, you can see the stuff on film or you and, and watching the games, you can see some of the flashes there. Um, but I still would say when you watch him, he seems to be very, very raw. There's a lot to work on, but he's a fourth round pick. Is that a, he's a talented fourth round pick and a fourth round pick typically is not, you're not going to find a starting tackle in the fourth round, not as a rookie or very rarely would you find that. So they took a guy that they feel has some upside. So we'll see, we'll see if they're right. Um, he could, he, if you, if it doesn't work a tackle, you can always shift them inside to guard and, and put him in that competition mix eventually I don't know how soon that would be or when they would determine when when he might, you know, because if this if you view this as a guy that needs some coaching, needs some work, you may stick with him a little bit longer, testing him at tackle just to see 
if that's a spot that they can work with him there and we'll see. But again, when you watch him, there were some, there were definitely some issues there. His footwork is sloppy. It's not consistent and it leads to issues. And sometimes you see the the bend when he's bending at the waist. And sometimes it's a little bit, a little bit hunched or it's a little bit more bent over, not like so straight, but a little bit more hunched where you don't have the balance with your feet. And then there are some times where the reaction is, is he's reaching with, you know, as a, I would coach basketball and I would, you tell your kids. And when you played, you tell you here, you reach with your feet, not your hands. And there are times where I see him reach with his hands, not with his feet. So those are things that you have to coach up and get him out of that stuff to see, can he become that guy? How much work will it take to get him there? Again, you see flashes. You see it. You could see him sometimes firing out in the run game and 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 playing pretty well there. And so you and then sometimes with his pass sets, even at left tackle, you see it like, oh, that looks really good. And then other times, because the footwork, maybe you're opening up your hips a little bit too much, and then the guy's got the corner. Because if you do that in the NFL, they're going to own you big time. But again, he's not coming here to start right away. He's coming here to be developed into something really good, they hope, down the road. I, I almost look at it like they kind of got Chris Paul like that late in the draft last year. And I think this is maybe somewhat of an equivalent, maybe a more talented person, a player than that, but somebody who is still going to like, okay, you got some stuff to work with. Now what can you do with it? Again, fire out in the run game. But man, I, I just think that's going to take a little bit of time. I'll just be, I'll be curious to see where it goes because I do think that I think you can make him something definitely into as a guard because I think in a short area space, I think he could be pretty good. And I think that's where I think that firing out and then not having to, to set so wide sometimes and, and trying to play that edge. That's where I think it's going to be interesting to watch how he develops, but he'll get some good reps in practice and we'll see. But again, they they view him they view him more as a tackle, but somebody who does have that flexibility, and you know it's funny because positional flexibility has become such a buzzword around here, and and they clearly want that they always want that. I will say though too, I mean you you get they have some guys where they their positional flexibility it's a center, and like Nick Gates he's a center he played guard at, at the Giants, but when we asked I asked Ron Rivera Friday night if he could play. If he could play that position, if he could play guard, if they wanted to put Stromberg, Ricky Stromberg, third round pick at center, and he just kind of said, not a guard. So they view him as a center. So in other words, the flexibility is center. So if you have a guy that you like, I think you're going to say, okay, we can maybe give up some of that. But if you're not, not so much if you like, but some guys are good enough where you say, this guy needs to stay here. And I get that. Everybody else is going to have to to play multiple spots. And I think that's where I think Daniels would be one of those guys where I think he has the ability to go inside. So if he doesn't, if he works at tackle, hey, you have a good tackle that you found in the fourth round. If he doesn't, you can put him inside, bulk him up a little bit. He was like 295. And then I think you could have something pretty solid there too. So you get, you got it. That's where, that's why that flexibility is important because it gives him a chance maybe to, maybe, maybe gives them a chance to maybe find a guy there. And if not, you can move inside. So, but we'll see. Like I said, I think I think that's going to be a work in progress there, folks. And um, I'll just I'll just say that getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one of a kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve wracking. 
At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Did you know the largest ropes course in Zipline Park in the country is right here in the DMV? Located in the heart of Montgomery County, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring combines climbing and ziplining to create an aerial obstacle course unlike any other. With challenges anywhere from 10 to 75 feet in the air, there is something for all skill levels. Looking for some family time or the perfect date night before football season starts? You can even climb and zip line under the stars. Would you rather keep your feet on the ground? Give axe throwing a try. With their projector systems, you can throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect four, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's KIME, K-E-I-M, 23DC. So there you have it, folks. Climbing, ziplining, axes, food, and bonfires right in your backyard. The weather is warming up, so it's the perfect time to head outside and join the adventure at www.theadventurepark.com. That's www.theadventurepark.com and enter promo code KIME23DC. In the, in the fifth round, it's K.J. Henry, defensive end from Clemson. <laughs> Heard a lot of good things about him, just in terms of his character. And, you know, it's funny because if you talk about that with a football player, you get people shouting, I don't want choir boys. If he's a choir boy, he just has high character. <laughs> I don't know that there's anything wrong with that. I know a lot of guys who play in the NFL who have high character, who were really good. You don't have to be a badass or, 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 or some, or not a badass, but maybe – you know, just a caveman or whatever to be a good player. You can be a really good high character person and be a good player. Yeah, I think you want those guys because what it leads to is a more mature team and it leads to, you know, guys showing up on time, being, you know, taking this approach seriously and all that. What in the end, what you want are guys who can really play. And if you you can put up with some of the talented guys who aren't of that same ilk or cut from the same cloth, if you have enough guys like that in the room with them. If you have too many guys who are one way, you're going to have trouble. That's all there is to it. But if you can get a lot of good guys in there, you can go there. But you're not just drafting for that. Listen, let's be real. They're, they're taking him because they like him as a player. And the other stuff is like you like him as a player and he has high character. He was a team leader and captain at Clemson. And like I said, I mean, Dabo Sweeney raves about him. You can dislike Dabo Sweeney all you want, but – you know, he does rave about this guy. And I know people who work at Clemson who rave about that kid. And they did to me a couple of weeks ago because I was asking them about Miles Murphy. And this was, a, this was a name that came back. And it's funny because one thing Ron Rivera said is that he, they felt like Henry maybe was a little bit undervalued or, or overlooked, I should say. 
because everybody was looking at Miles Murphy on the other side and, you know, they, they saw what Henry could do. And I think there, there's definitely something there. And I think he's going to be, I, I kind of like this pick because first of all, you need another guy at that spot. And I think he's, he's got some length, good, good arm length. And he did show some moves. He showed some skills that you say, okay, you got this. You can develop this. Now you have something really nice. So he does a really nice job. Got a good quick step to the inside. When I saw him win on rushes, it more often than not was to the inside. And he got a nice, he, he's quick feet, gets good hands in there. And I think that's something that that's good for him. Going to have to work on some of the outside stuff. And it just not just, you know, getting, you saw him sometimes start to win around the corner, but then really not finished. I didn't see him finish there as much, but I didn't didn't watch enough of him to say that. I just think that he was better rushing inside. And I think that there were some things at the top, maybe the top of his pass drop or the top of his rush with his hands that you could probably, I think they're going to probably work on with him. Again, fifth round pick, you're going to have something you have to work on there. I think that's one of the things, but he does have length. He's a good athlete. And, um, you know, Rivera felt he was a dynamic edge player. You did see him drop into coverage in some zone coverage. Also saw him get beat on a wheel route in one game. <clears throat> Just comes flat at the back, back out, boom, up. Actually, it was an out and up. And so it was just, it was not pretty, but that happens. But what he does have, again, good length. So he's, I think it's guys like this are really good to take a shot on because he is a high character guy with talent. And those guys tend to work. And I think they can be productive players. I think James Smith Williams is a productive player for them. And he's a certainly a high character guy as well. But this guy has some length. And I think that's good. When I'd watch him, he was often double teamed. So that's going to certainly keep your keep your numbers down a little bit. And, um, you know, I think I think he's you see him rushing from stand up. You see him rushing with his hand in dirt. Again, he's not he's a defensive end. He's not he wasn't you could if he was in a three, four, you could consider him an outside linebacker here. It's going to be a defensive end slash pass rusher. So and like I said, good quickness to the inside and we'll see where they go. But I think he's the kind of guy that that you want to develop. And I like the running back from Kentucky. Chris Rodriguez in the sixth round. Um couple of things with him before, before I get in the scouting report too, I think, um, you know, one of the things that was emotional for him was his mom had died in January. And so it just, I think we, we, it did come up because he posted something about her on Instagram today. And so, you know, what kind of a, probably a bittersweet moment it was for him. And just because you, this is somebody that, you know, was was here i mean that's your mom and this is a such a great moment for you and they can't be there and that that those those i'm sure everything was still so raw for him and the one thing he said he does know that she's very proud of him and looking down on that day and being very proud of him so just kind of an emotional day and moment for him but i think he's an intriguing player because there's some stuff there that i see that i really kind of like and just to see where does he go from here now, sixth round, there's, you always say sixth round for a reason. I do know they valued him higher. This is a weird draft because there were, this is, I think, and every year you probably say this, but it felt like this year maybe more than than some other years where that beauty was in the eye of the beholder because he went in the sixth round, but these guys had him with third round value. So, you know, and I'm sure some other teams would have, had, they, they didn't have, not every team had him up there because he'd have gone up there. 
But I think, you know, so I think there's some guys that fell that other teams maybe would have said, oh, I would have taken him here. And other teams took guys here that you said, I would have taken him back here. I think it was probably maybe a little bit more like that this year, but he's one of those guys. So the reason why I'm intrigued by him, first of all, he was productive in the SEC and that's always a big deal. And you're at Kentucky, you're playing, you're, you know, it's different at Kentucky than if you're a running back at Georgia or, or at Bama playing behind some of those lines that they get. So I think that's, that's something you have to look at average 6.2 yards per carry. Now he was not considered a third down back at Kentucky, but doesn't mean he can't do it. And Ron Rivera thinks he can because the what he did show at Kentucky is the ability to pass protect. Very big key if you're going to be a, a third down back. And they also felt they also feel that he showed good hands on checkdowns and screens. Screen game is going to be big with Eric Bieniemy because that's what they did. That's what they did with Kansas City. So I think that would be big. So he can handle that. And then I think also they they one one of the things they one of the things that they feel they can correct is his route running that comes down to coaching and then your, your willingness to and desire to improve. So that's why they feel like he can be a three down back as a running back. The things that the thing that I like, he's very decisive one cut runner. So he gets off that he's going on the outside zone. Boom. He's going to cut and he is going to, you know, he's just, he's going to turn it right up and it gets extra yards because of that, because of that decisiveness there's no chopping of the feet to cut. It's boom, boom. And that's where I think he's going to help them. Now, one of the things I do did notice as runner is, you know, you look at between the tackles, that's going to be a strength. He's a bigger back. And so between the tackles, it's going to be his thing. But he also runs a little bit high for that. So sometimes I didn't think he was getting the yards and the, and the leg drive that he could because he was a little bit more upright. So I think that's, again, something to watch. And it wasn't like, you know, there were times I see him try to get, you know, he's coming up, he'd kind of go low, but you're starting from a higher point. So going low, it's not going low enough. And so the some of the power was lost in those situations. I thought he was really good, though, when it's that one cut and go. And I think that's why I'm intrigued by him. Now, where does he fit in? Well, clearly, they have a couple backs ahead of him, Antonio Gibson, and then you have obviously Brian Robinson. You have Jonathan Williams as well. Those would be the, the the first three backs in this roster right now. And then you'd have Rodriguez. So how does he fit in? Well, obviously Robinson's going to be the primary back, and then Gibson will be will be in his role, and it's going to be a multi-dimensional role. And I do see, you know, I know one of the things they were disappointed in last year with the whole situation with Robinson was the inability to get those two on the field more together. So you know, but. I think it's with a 16 game, 17 game season. And if you lose Brian Robinson, I think you want somebody, they wanted somebody clearly more, a little bit more consistent than maybe Jonathan Williams, whom I've always liked. I know Bram always, always liked him, but I think that's why you go with a guy like Rodriguez. The other key here is everybody wants to know about the impact. The really liked this guy. So I think that's also, that's also partly the, that's also a reason why I think he's here because he feels like he fits what they want to do again. One cut, decisive one cut runner. That is key. You know, the funny thing is because we knew they wanted a running back, but based on on what I'd heard after the first round, like I knew how much they liked Jameer Gibbs. That was a guy they really liked because he is very versatile and they felt like he fit what they wanted because of that versatility. I think that that's a guy they really liked. So then you start looking, well, is that the kind of guy they're going to go after after this first round? Because there were a couple of guys that, that fit that description. 
Well, clearly they wanted to get a, another good back instead of just instead of just getting that guy. I think it was, you know, when you're looking at Gibbs, they really liked him. And then what did they like about him? The versatility. So some other guys might be versatile, but they may not like him as much because maybe they're not as productive. Anyway, what they got is a big, bigger, powerful back. This is not a change of pace guy. This is a power guy, but again, decisive one cut runner. So let's look at uh, now the last one would be Andre Jones. Defensive end from Louisiana, again, just like Henry, if they were in a 3-4, he'd be an outside linebacker. So they didn't get another off-the-ball linebacker, and I'll get into that on for the next podcast. But, you know, and I know that's something that, listen, man, I know this is two years in a row that we've told you, oh, they'll get a linebacker, they'll get a linebacker, and they didn't. So what the hell do we know? But, you know, I know you go, they go into a draft. I know guys that they liked. And then the draft unfolds and you don't get everybody you want. And then you hear that again. Well, you can't get everybody you want. Well, you got to fill that. You got to fill that. And again, I'll get into that a little bit more, but it is a spot that you still have to fill. A lot of time after this said the same thing last year and the position wasn't upgraded enough and they need to do it. I do think Barton, Cody Barton could be better than what people anticipate here. Still need more there. So anyway, that's a little aside. Let's get to Andre Jones. He's he's an older he's an older prospect. He's going to turn twenty five in October. Um, I think I think he's got he's got some things to watch there. It's harder to it's it's a little bit hard to gauge him. The the level of play is different when you're watching guys like Henry and all that, and you can see him against a higher level of competition a little bit easier. But one thing you see with Jones again, really good length, long arms, and that's good. I think there sometimes he gets a little bit upright when he rushes, but. Not certainly not every time, but you you see it. What I like though is there are a couple of times I could tell that on the rush, there was there's one play, I think it was against Marshall, where he's rushing from the left side and he rushed, he rushed up and down, left and right side, in the dirt and all that. But there was one play where the, the linebacker was blitzing to to his side, you know, through the B gap, through the, you know, and he was on the outside. And he could have easily charged up field to go get the quarterback. But if he had done that, the quarterback, there's a good chance that there's a gap that widens with because the way because of where the right tackle is positioned. The quarterback could have gotten outside the the tackle on the play, extend the play, and then maybe a big play. But instead, he holds outside. He doesn't go as aggressive upfield as he need as he maybe would have otherwise. And the blitzer kind of um stumbled a little bit. But the quarterback still had nowhere to go because he held that because he held that that pass rush contain and the quarterback had a thrown incompletion. So my only bring that up because it shows the willingness to kind of work with your guys, work within the structure of that defense, of that play call, and that speaks to his maturity. And so I think that and that's not a that's not a reason necessarily why you draft a guy. I just think it's a benefit of a guy like that. I think you're drafting this guy because he's he's got some length. He's he's a good athlete, and 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 you know you got something to work with. That's why you draft him. But I did like that. So and I, there were times like you know it's funny because you start to see him, and then even this game, I one of the games I watched, like you kind of want to see more. And then there was a third and six situation, or there's like a third and long situation, where it was the first time where I felt like. He just rushed. A lot of other times I felt like he was, you know, first of all, he's being double teamed or chipped and and maybe not rushing as aggressively as he would would want to. And the one time I saw him do that, he got he got think he caused a either a hit or a pressure. Um, I don't think it was a sack, but it was it was a it was his best rush. 
but it was because he just went. And I, so that's why, like I said, I think there are times where you see him like, okay, seventh round, you can find something to work with here. A little bit older. So is, is that he's certainly not a young prospect. I mean, shoot, he'll be older than a couple of guys in their defensive line room um, who have been here for a couple of years, like Chase Young, for example. But I think that's the kind of guy that you want to get there, you know, mature, um, you know, 25, going to be 25 in October. That's a little bit much, but he does have skills. That length, I would be very intriguing. And again, he is a good athlete. So they had another guy. They need to get those edge rushers. And I think that was, you know, I, whether it's a good pick or not, we'll find out in a couple of years. But I think it's the right kind of prospect um, when you look at it. And I haven't gone over the board and say, oh, they could have taken this guy or that guy. I can't do that. What I'm going to, because I don't know all these guys and what they did. I haven't studied them all. But in watching this and talking to them, you know, I think that, that I understand why they would go in this direction with with Andre Jones. So there you go. That's a wrap on on the the final round of the NFL draft. So there's a, your last four picks. I hope you got I hope you guys learned something out of over the last couple of days by me doing this and and enjoyed it and I appreciate you tuning in. Like I said, I mean, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit bleary-eyed by this point, but I will be back with another one, a quick one on Monday or for Monday just wrapping up, you know, maybe a few more draft nuggets looking ahead here are a couple things they still need to go do, and this is what we maybe can anticipate. So um, there you go. That's it. Appreciate you tuning in. 